You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 48. Yes, we are creeping up on episode number 50. You know what? I'm getting weirdly excited about it. Like I keep saying, feels like our first milestone. It's like we're podcasters. We're podcasters. Yeah. So, but today's topic is, uh, we're just going to tell you now, here's your trigger warning. You know, like you see on social media when we're, you're going to talk about a sensitive subject. We are continuing our talk of sex today and it's actually um, pornography like we've been kind of hinting to for the last few episodes. I feel like we've been hinting to it for the last like 20 weeks, but we have not (laughs) actually done it and put it together. And I think this falls perfectly in this series because pornography, plain and simple, is a very selfish form of of self-pleasure, of of sex, if you will. And so our last episode on selfish sex, if you haven't got a chance to listen to that, head back and listen to that um, because it'll make a lot more sense as we transition into this one. But yes, like Jonna said, trigger warning, hide your kids, hide your friends who (laughs) Hide your family members who don't need to hear any more details about our intimate life. Yeah. So um, we take a pretty strong stance on it. Like Chris was saying, wait, were you saying that? You were saying that. I was saying that. I feel like I started to interrupt you. (laughs) That's common. Yes. These, the people are used to it. Right. Um, yeah. So we take a strong stance on it. I know that it's something that not everybody talks about. I feel like it's a don't ask, don't tell behind closed doors, even between couples, a don't ask, don't tell, or an assumption that it's normal part of, especially men, like the boys will be boys, men will be men type mentality. I think there's a balance. I think there's a group of people who are like, yeah, people watch porn, no big deal. Then there's the group of religious folks that are like, oh, no, nobody watches porn. But let me just drop a stat for you real quick. Drop a stat. So here's my stat drop of the day. (laughs) Uh, When I was researching this, this is incredible. So I'm going to call out our religious folks, our Christians, and and, um, our Christian brothers and sisters, right? (laughs) Um, So 68%. 60 plus percent of self-proclaimed church-going Christian men still struggle with porn on a regular basis. Which is crazy, except for when you start diving into the ways it actually affects your brain. Because I know, especially, and I've talked about this before, when I first became a Christian, I'm like, oh, no. Christians are just supposed to do X, Y, Z and we're all like, I feel like the world has a very, like, if you're not a Christian, you're like, oh, when you find out a Christian does something wrong, you're like, okay, they're fake. But it's like, no, we all suck still. Yeah, we all suck still. We just have different things that we struggle with. And it seems like that is a huge target for Christian men who they fall into it. Yeah, it's a huge target for Christian men. And I think it's something that is overshadowed by by the secular crowd because they're like, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. It just is what it is. And so, uh, so first and foremost, um, I want, I want people to understand, like you guys know I'm a nerd. If you've been listening to this long enough and in my, in my battle against 
porn and my fight against it. Uh, some some of the ways that kind of helped me help me cope with this and and kick this was looking up stats and things like that. And so you might be interested to understand like the actual brain chemistry behind pornography and what it can really do to a human being. So so first off, I want to be very clear: our brains were never intended to experience the level of um, the level of dopamine rush that it experiences from pornography. So if you've ever looked at pornographic material uh, and you've gotten aroused in any way, our brain was never in, meant to experience this on such a frequent basis. So you go back to like the old times, uh, even like the kings and queens and stuff. I mean, the reality is that a king could not sleep with a woman every two minutes, every single day, you know, and we have access to like this whole worldwide web where you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and see new and novel bodies and all that stuff. And it is, uh, it is an overload for your brain. And so we have to understand about an overload for your brain and it's dopamine receptors with or sensors, which is you know, the reward system in the brain is the body has to adapt, right? So when you're flooded with that much arousal, the body adapts and then that becomes the new normal. And so people wonder why they have issues sexually and all that stuff. And a lot of it is because of the over uh, overstimulation. So that's why there's actually a movement right now called Fight the New Drug. And they're calling pornography a drug because just like a drug addict, a lot of people who begin who become addicted to porn begin looking for new, you might just look at, I, I don't know all the levels, but what is it like softcore? You might like watch a, an inappropriate movie or something. Mm-hmm. And then that moves you to the next level. And then you no longer are aroused the same. So you move to the next level, just like with drugs, you try what they call a gateway drug, gateway drug. And then after a while, your high isn't the same. So you move on to a harder drug. And I, I mean, just to go straight into it, that's how people fall into, you know, you've told me before, you don't just start looking at porn and then somebody falls into pedophilia or, exactly. or like, you know, the really disturbing levels of pornography. I've always exactly. just automatically been like, what a disgusting, disgusting thing for somebody to look up. And Chris had to explain to me, which I mean, I still want to say like, you never fell into that level of, no, never of pornography, but you had explained to me how the brain works and how people get there. They don't just dive into bestiality and pedophilia and that that really taboo, disturbing, definitely not accepted around, among the large community type of pornography. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It is it is literally where the brain says, okay, we're getting this much and when we watch porn, this is this is the the arousal word. I mean, guys, it is, it is very similar to like, okay, let's say, let's say you haven't had a brownie in a while and you have fresh baked brownies and you eat that first brownie. It is delicious. And you're like, why would I ever give up brownies? <laughs> like it's amazing. Okay. And then your brain is like, Ooh, we want that feeling again because it adapted to what the brownie did for you. So then you go back and you grab another one and you eat it and you're like, mm, that was good. But like, definitely didn't get the same effect, right? And so what do you do? Your brain's like, well, we're not hungry, but we definitely want another one. And then you go back and get another one. And then it's not nearly as good as even the second one. And you're wondering why your 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 brain is kind of down-regulating what you're eating. 
It's because your brain is adapting to it. And and so what do you do? You want more, you want different. Like if, if you've ever been at Thanksgiving, you'll eat a brownie and a piece of pie and all these different things because you're looking for that feeling again. It's the exact same thing with anything that arouses your brain and pornography is a super powerful one. I just had an aha moment right here on the podcast. <laughs> so as you're talking about this, I'm thinking like, man, I could go for a brownie right now. <laughs> like, right? So, but when we talked about trigger warning and stuff, I've, I've thought about it in other ways, but today I was saying like, I wonder how the, just the word pornography would make you want to look up porn. And now I, I just, I just got it right there. Like just the word brownie and thinking about a brownie, I'm like, Oh, your mind starts to, starts to think about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so, okay. The brain's powerful, right? The brain is incredibly powerful and we have to understand the effects that something like this has on the brain because our brain was never intended for it. You guys understand that? It was never intended for it. So because it was never intended for it, it is hurting your yourself, but especially your intimate relationship with your spouse. So yes. let's rewind all the way back because this is something that we've actually experienced a struggle with to your childhood years when you first discovered pornography. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, it's kind of like no one just dives into it. It starts with a movie that's a little over the top. And then the movie that becomes a little over the top becomes, becomes, um, you know, staying up late and watching different movies. And then, and then the progression takes its, take, takes its course until you find yourself to a place where you're like, Oh, whoa, why'd I look at that? And then at first you're like, Oh, weird. And it feels good and you do it again and again, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so for me as a young kid, uh, I think everyone knows when addiction sets in, it's usually as a means to to cope, right? It is a coping mechanism. And for me, my parents had gone through a separation. I was at a new school. I had no friends. Uh, it, was, it was just a tough time for me. And I remember going to visit my mom and I had me, me and my friend, he, he had spent the night and stuff. Me and my friend had like, you know, stayed up late and watched, watched, oh geez, I think <laughs> Nip Tuck. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that show? Uh, Nip Tuck and like all these shows progressively until, you know, like the later Girls Gone Wild series came on, which were all censored and everything. But we were, we were allowing ourselves to kind of move further and further and further until we were finally like, okay, let's jump on the computer. And it's weird to look back on uh, that I did it with my friend, but uh, you know, 13 years old, you're a weirdo. I was going to say, I think that's actually a pretty common first story. You always hear like in storylines in movies or I've heard people personally say like, hey, first time I looked at it, you know, we found my friend's dad's dirty magazines under his bed and we flipped through it together or whatever. So I think that's a. And it starts as a completely harmless thing. It starts as a completely harmless thing. It starts as like, oh, well, you know, hey, I, I need this. This makes me feel good. And well, it, at that age, you don't know. First of all, you don't know how dangerous that you're playing with fire, you and you you're not thinking at that age about your spouse or how that's going to make you look at women or. No. But how how did that? So your addiction went on. You actually became addicted to looking up pornography. Hundred percent addicted for years, and you you obviously told me how did that affect your view of women like from the start yeah well so it it changed my it 
So expectations. We always talk about expectations. So the expectation is if you've never had sex before or or you've never or you've never interacted with a woman at that age uh, that they would act like the people on the internet that you see, right? They they would have this this incredible um this incredible like kinky willingness, you know what I mean? Um and uh and then also also just after watching these things over and over again and my brain down regulating um, what this was doing to me from an arousal perspective it became like women were like objects and I hate saying it, but it's true. Uh, and I know, I know people have said before, like never look at women like meat. But I looked at women like meat when I was a kid and that was not something that was a healthy way to go into, into my first, uh, my first serious relationships. Right. <laughs> so, what was I going to ask you? So obviously it affected you. It affected your relationships. It affected the way you yeah. viewed sex and women and all that. So, well, let me talk about what it did for me. Let me talk about what it did to me during that period of time. So like I said, started out harmless, no big deal. We're boys will be boys. boys will be boys. You, you look up this stuff. It's like, okay, whatever. This is just for me. Uh, and then it, became more frequent, right? It's like, well, I want to do this more because my brain was hijacking me, telling me I wanted to do this more. And so then then you find a way to sneak around. And it got to the point where not only was I looking it up on you know, weekends at my mom's, but then I was in, in, my, in my basement at my actual house on a regular basis. And then that regular basis became like an everyday, no matter what thing. And then it became a multiple times per day thing. And then it became, nope, I'm not going to go outside and play basketball. I'm, I'm not going to go, you know, go, go through football with you, friend. I am not, not going to go, you know, enjoy life. Uh, and it started to actually suck my, my life and my energy away. And, and that's when addiction becomes a real problem, when, when you feel like you cannot live without it. See, that's so crazy because I know everybody's different. I mean, when I was young, I looked at things as, as an experimental type way, but I never got to that level. I, I imagine it seems like it's different for men than it is for women, but I'm sure there's plenty of women who are addicted as well. There's tons of women that are addicted. But so did anybody know this was going on? Did Did you talk like was it an accepted thing? among your friends or your brother or anybody? Did anybody know? I did not talk to my friends or my brother or anything. Something that I look back on that is just really weird that showed me I had a crazy addiction was was that uh, whenever like my dad would leave or my brother would leave, and I, I'm like 13 years old, I would lock the doors that way if someone was coming back or whatever, I could control that. And uh, and they used to get mad at me like, dude, why are you such a scaredy cat? You know, and like I wasn't scared. I was I was masking what I was doing, and that was uh, and that was kind of something I look back on as like whoa, <laughs> that's that was a Red lot. Flag. And I would I would actually time like time and position myself in specific places to know like when people were coming home and everything. Oh, that's my phone. All that stuff. And it's it's crazy to look back on, but regardless, it was a tough time. It was my first bout of struggling with porn, but it took so much from me uh, as as just a an individual, it affected my school. It affected my my getting outside and getting in the sun and all that stuff. And some people are like, "Whoa, that's like really deep, dude. That that's a lot." But 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an addictive personality that runs through my family, but this is something I struggle with hardcore to the point where as I, as I kind of ended out this first, this first bout of struggling with porn, I remember I, w- I was a Christian. I was like a one foot in one foot out Christian. It was like, I'll use guys to stop and go. I'm a kid. And, uh, I remember, you know, frequently being like, oh, shoot, is the baby up? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to get through this. God, forgive me. Please help me. Uh, help me to stop doing this type of thing. And it was just, it was so bad that I, I could literally pray and ask God for forgiveness. And it wasn't like 10 minutes later, I would blow it, make a huge mistake. And, uh, and so after that point, the thing that really took this away from me altogether was that I, I truly had a heart change. I, I, I remember just being in a very dark place, a very bad place, put me into a depression almost. And as a kid, it's just so weird to look back on and know that porn put me in a, into a depression, but it did. And it was just dark and it was bad. And I, I, I knew, I knew what I was doing was wrong and I, I couldn't, I couldn't beat it. My brain was hijacking me constantly. And I just remember falling on my knees as a kid. I was probably like, 15 something like that in my bedroom and I, I was like sobbing man I was just sobbing and I was like god take this from me not I'm sorry but like take this from me and uh it was amazing it was miraculous but he actually took it from me and it was almost like I felt it release from me and I cold turkey stopped engaging in in watching pornography So the last thing I said was, I just get, I gave it to God, and um, I had like a release, and uh, and and I cold turkey stopped watching pornography. So you can respond to that. So that's which is crazy. So moving forward, you go years without ever touching again, you go years with actually hating it, advocating it, talking about how you kicked the habit. Fast forward to we get together. I know this about you. You tell me, I'm like, okay, great. I remember being very thankful that I was in a relationship with somebody who wasn't just looking at me like a piece of meat and wanting sex from me. And, um, but, well, yeah. So it was it it was something like you said. I was advocating against. 
I was I, I was trying to help other people through it, and I, because I realized how I controlled my life, went to a Christian college, so that really helped me in uh, in in trying to live my life to a higher standard, playing basketball, being an RA, all that stuff. I I felt like I was in a leadership position, and I did not want to uh, did not want to blow that or or mess with my my witness as a Christian because things became more serious for me when I got to college. And then after we got married and we had our first child, Lola, is when my relapse story began. Which this is still a sensitive thing to talk about because, I mean, it was only five years ago and it made, so we're, I say this, I feel like every episode, but we're in a lot of groups on Facebook that are like separate moms and dads groups and stuff. And I can't tell you how many times a day or week that I see posts, especially I'm in one specifically for Christian women that talk about the pain of finding out their husbands are struggling with porn. And I know there's so many, there's probably somebody listening right now that's just like, I mean, my husband listens why or watches. Why is it you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I just thought it was normal. But this was a very painful part of our relationship because I felt, well, you can tell what happened, but I remember when you first told me, I felt so betrayed because I knew you had taken such a strong stance against it that I didn't think it's something we would have to deal with. So I'm not sure that we even protected ourselves from it like we should have because it felt like it wasn't going to be an issue. That's what you have to do is... You have to be intentional when you are when you are destroying something like an addiction. In my experience, you have to be intentional every day, all the time. And I took my eye off the ball. And when I took my eye off the ball, it it's almost like it surfaced in just pure selfishness. We had just had our first baby, and life was different. It went from our marriage being, you know, John was all about me to John was all about Lola. And then John being all about Lola and all about Lola's needs became me feeling like I was left out uh, in the dark a little bit and also sexually left out big time because I always say Lola was uh, the number one biggest cock block in the world. Yes. (laughs) It's true. CB. So if you ever hear us say CB, (laughs) it's true. CB1, CB2, CB3 is what we call them. And Well, four is coming. (laughs) Four is coming. Obviously, they're not blocking that much because keep having more but anyways not to mention you can't you can't have relations right after you have a baby and i this was my first baby so a lot of us experience such shock when seeing what our postpartum body looks like and it works different and there's a lot of uh it's just not the same it's not something that and we talked about this last episode of being selfish with sex whenever you just feel insecure. And I felt so insecure and in you didn't my postpartum body. Be- because your hormones were imbalanced yeah. and you, you had no desire to. And so, after, and we were disconnected at that, that, exactly. that time. I mean, there were so many things that led up to a lot. you looking for connection. A lot. Somewhere and, else. But I will say, as I say that, I, I never want to put it on on the other spouse as, oh, well, this is why someone did it. Because at the end of the day, it's still the the root cause of it is still selfishness and not protecting yourself from these things as, from experience. Even looking back, I could have, I could have had the uncomfortable conversations with Jana. I could have let her know these were things that I needed. I could have changed my behavior 
uh, towards our marriage to create more connection, communication, all that stuff to have her help me through it. But we were so young in marriage. And so looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it would have happened if you took me back now and the same age and the same brain I was, it would have happened again. And so how how did it happen though? Because you didn't go out seeking it because no. you we weren't having sex. You didn't go out seeking it. It fell into your lap, like you said, and you were not being adamant about protecting it because you yeah. your gates were down at that time. Yeah, yeah, my guard was down, and uh, the so it always starts with a trigger. It always starts with a very small trigger, whether it's a pop up or whether it's something that comes. Uh, it's usually not just a full blown pornography. So what happened at this time was I got a, I guess my mail got redirected and I got Sports Illustrated and the swimsuit edition came in, right? And there was like body paintings and that and stuff. And I remember getting that and, um, and like kind of flipping through it, which usually I would have just like thrown it away, but I just flipped through it and I remember being really angry that day. I think me, you and I got in a fight uh, and I was flipping through it and I let my mind go too far. And when my mind went that far, I felt that, that dopamine rush, like I haven't felt in a long time. And when you feel that, it's like a drug and you're like, Ooh, where'd that come from? Why did I just feel that way? Whoa. And, uh, and the other thing is, it is, it is very similar to like when, when I said a dopamine rush, if you get too much of it, it down regulates the process and you don't feel it as much. It is very similar to if you have gone a very, very, very long time without, you know, self-pleasure and then you pleasure yourself you're like, holy crap, it is powerful. And so, and so that dopamine rush hit me, um, when I was, when I was looking at this stuff and it triggered my brain and hijacked me and it made me go further and further and further and just, just, you know, just tiny, tiny bit more, tiny bit more, tiny bit more until I fell full fledged into what was the same thing when I was a kid. Uh, because I remember I kept justifying, well, it's okay. As long as it's pictures and not videos. And then it became videos. It's like, oh, okay. It's okay. If it's softcore, not hardcore, you know what I mean? And you just justify these things all the way until you are in the exact same place you were. So I remember you telling me and I had no suspicion of it. There was nothing. I mean, I was so wrapped up in our new child that I wasn't even thinking about any of that. I had no suspicion. And I remember being at our apartment and you basically pulling like a, we need a talk line and my stomach just dropping. Like what is happening? And when you told me, I immediately felt waves of guilt. I felt like it was my fault because I wasn't attractive anymore or because I wasn't sleeping with you enough or, you know, I, I immediately turned all of it in on me and started feeling so disgusted and so angry. And I remember being mad at you like, Hey, we have a daughter now. How could you go back into looking at this? And I don't know, like so many wives, I think feel so, I mean, it feels, it just feels like a comparison because you're, you're like, okay, body paintings. Like even right now I'm kind of thinking like, okay, so those women you know, you were looking at their bodies and it's such a, Oh, I don't know how to explain. It's like, yeah, well, it's new and novel for your brain. It's different. It's different. It's new. It's novel. It's, uh, and like I said, it, it, it just starts with one little, um, you know, it's, it's a slow fade into it. Right. But you were telling me before we ever recorded this, that it's not because so many women 
do turn it on to themselves and it's our fault and we can't look like that and stuff. And you were trying to explain to me how it's really not, it's not like a comparison thing. Remember when we were talking at the table? Uh, It's not, it is not a comparison thing. It is, it is, it is impossible standards to live up to um, because it's all fake. It's all fantasy. It's all fake. So, so a fantasy someone could have is that, is that their, is that their, their mailman knocks on the door with a package and it's some super hot chick that's busting out of the mail suit with super short shorts and all that stuff. Right. But in reality, your mailman's an old man with like (laughs) freaking sometimes short shorts. They always are short shorts. You're right. (laughs) But your, your mailman's an old smelly man with yellow teeth. You know what I mean? And so fantasy and reality are polar opposites of each other. And so what pornography does is it dives into like what people could possibly be fantasizing and it brings it to life. And when it brings it to life, your brain lives in this fantasy world. And so it is not a standard anyone could live up to. Anybody could live up to, to match this fantasy world. You literally have to wake up every single morning, like just like, but just, just like super, super like DTF, I guess you would say, right? Yeah. Seriously. You literally have to wake up every single morning, super DTF and like feeling me up and everything every single morning. Like, Oh, don't worry about the kids. Let's just get it. (laughs) You know, like it is, it is complete fantasy and it's not possible to live up to. Right. So that's, that was my point in, in the comparison side of things. Women can't blame themselves. But I also would submit to the women, you can't necessarily blame the guy and his character. You have to understand once you are looped into something like this, it is a drug. It is a literal drug. And that's why Fight the New Drug, they have a website. I think you mentioned it, fightthenewdrug.com. And it is the new drug. When you when you look at when you look at the frequency of pornography usage and all that stuff it is escalating to massive massive peaks and it is it is something that hijacks your brain because it does the same thing that a delicious brownie would do to you if you haven't had one so we this affected us for i don't know how how long did this go on i think it was about like 6 months cuz you told me i was hurt i was worried i i was you know being I felt like you were supposed to lead our family as the man of the household, as the Christian, as a Christian household. And I felt like that meant you were no longer leading us because of what you were doing. And it really hurt our relationship for a while, but you decided to use me as your accountability partner because... Which is risky. Which is risky, but, but I feel like it's because you didn't want to have to tell me. So it made it, you know, like if you tell... If your accountability partner is a friend, um, another male who gets it, I feel like you know you're going to have a little more grace, you know? So I, I will say if, if your accountability partner is a male or someone else who is very prone to it, it might be a trigger for them. It might be a trigger for them. And uh, and and then you got a problem, a really big problem, because you're both struggling with the same thing. And you can only take yours or others as far as you take yourself. And so if you're both struggling with the same thing, you, so it's all it's a slippery hopeless. slope, basically. Yeah. But you you told me about it. I was upset. I felt, like I said, I felt betrayed. I felt 
even more insecure in my postpartum body because then I knew you were looking at that stuff. And I'm like, well, I know I don't look like that right now. And I know there's a lot of women who can relate with how I was feeling. So we went through this battle back and forth, but you were pretty good about telling me when you slipped up and how did you, I have two questions. So one, I want to know how you ultimately kicked it again, or I want you to tell our listener, but two, I'm sure there's still people listening like, well, wait, I still am not understanding why this is such a big deal. It helps us spice up our marriage. We watch it together, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of couples who even even I'm sure Christian couples that I've heard talk about using and as a mechanism because marriage, married sex can get just kind of normal, you know? Yeah. Well, because we talked about the science behind why it's dangerous, but I feel like diving into the actual conditions and what's actually happening in those scenes. So that is, is so disturbing. So that's exactly how I kicked it. So I heard a quote once that said, you can't be addicted to something that you hate. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. I really want to kick this addiction. How can I learn to hate pornography? You know, this is something my brain loves. How can I learn to hate it? And so I started to dig and fightthenewdrug.com is a great resource for this. I started to dig into the truth behind pornography. And I'm going to get graphic here, guys, but like instead of instead of associating pornography with some like with some some super sexy fantasy scene, I was able to create the associations of the things that were really happening behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Things like and this is graphic and gross, but but things like people who had People who who had been the actual like camera operators and stuff like that talked about like the stench in those rooms and how disgusting it was, um, how absolutely disgusting it smelled in those rooms, um, how the women were treated, uh, how how all of them were on drugs, how um, how how desensitized people were to actual sex, how it was how it was causing suicide and it was causing so many issues in people's lives. Um, many of the people on Fight the New Drug are former uh, porn stars. Uh, some of the biggest ones too um, are former porn stars and they tell their stories about the industry and the truth behind the industry and how and how, how they cheated out of money, how, how drugs is just so prevalent uh, and it's killing people. It is killing the people who are actually doing this stuff. I think it's so easy, especially ignorance is bliss. So I think it's so easy to just hope and assume if you're watching these things that it's a consensual people who are just really love sex and uh, and are enjoying it and like what they're doing. But so many of these people come out and talk about the abuse that took place and the, you know, I'm sure. Dang it. My phone. I'm sure that it's easy to assume if you haven't looked into this, it's easy to assume that, oh, well, how could a porn star be sexually abused or how could they be, how could they be, I hate the word, how could they be raped? But yeah. so many of them are forced into it or promised exactly. money and not promised. given it or held there against their will or, you know, roped into it as young women just being, you know, wanting to make a little extra money and not realizing what they're getting into. I mean, yep. it's a really, really sad, disgusting 
industry that's not just like these actors and actresses that are enjoying themselves. Exactly. There there are a lot of issues behind the scenes that you can look up and discover. And I think the biggest thing for me that literally just pushed me over the edge to say, yeah, I do hate this, is we look at human trafficking and we, and we look at what a, an incredible tragedy it is uh, and how prevalent it is. And even in Ohio, Ohio is one of the biggest, we live in Ohio and Ohio is one of the biggest um, like trafficking places in the country because of the major highways uh, that kick off of some of our cities very, very fast into any place. And so, uh, and so human trafficking is a big deal. And it's something that's I've always held near and dear because I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be stolen from civilization and used as a sex slave. Like I can't imagine, uh, and obviously having daughters and, and a wife and stuff. And just knowing this happens to people, even in America is just incredible. And so, and so the association that I was able to create, and these are facts guys, is that when, when they, when they were, um, asking and interviewing like, uh, pimps and people like that, who were, who were, who were pimping out these, these women, the way they were collecting their data to understand who to who to abduct basically and and push into this terrible industry was through pornography so it's literally it's literally a business and i think if you it's ask anybody off yeah. the street do you think human trafficking is a, trafficking is okay they will undoubtedly say no holy moly that's disgusting who would be okay with this but you ask that same person about pornography and they might not have the same disgust or hate towards it. Cause it's so, even though it's taboo, it's still normalized as something that people do. And what we have to understand is when you watch pornography, you are literally contributing to hundred percent human trafficking and the research. And even some of those, I don't know if you call them like scenes or videos or, or whatever are actually, yes, the women and men who have been trafficked in the videos, like yes. you're watching it happen and it, and you're watching it for your pleasure. And I'm saying this because I want you to hate it because it's so disturbing when you actually think of it that way. Yeah, it is. It is terrible. So, so being able to create the association of saying like, wait, this is where traffickers get their data. I mean, literally guys, this, this is where people get their data to be like, okay, here, you know, uh, young, young Asian women that look like this, boom, 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 this height, this, whatever. These are the people we need to target guys, because these are the top searches on the internet. These, these are the popular videos. These are the popular views. People are watching this whole video. All this stuff is happening. That's where they're getting their data. And so like Jonna said, it is 100% contribution to the human trafficking industry. Not only is it, and I know this is all over the place, but not only is this a selfish act for someone to say like, this is about me and about nobody else. Cause you can't truly think you're thinking about anyone else when you're diving into this and letting your brain get hijacked, but you are contributing to a massive global problem. And as a fact. And so what's scary, what's even scarier is the access we have these days compared to when you first fell into it. And if you have teenage kids, especially not even teens, I'm sure it's starting way younger now, just with the random, I mean, if you look at YouTube alone and the things that young kids can access from their tablets, the things that are starting to plant seeds in their minds of 
sex and even in even uh, sexual abuse. I mean, I will never forget how disturbed I was one time. Lola was really young. She had um, my phone watching like YouTube kids or something while I was trying to take care of the baby. And I remember hearing something really inappropriate. And I was like, what in the world is she watching? Because it was like Mickey Mouse. And there's people, there's people on the internet, on YouTube that are creating these videos. It was like a, it was, it was essentially, it was a rape scene of Disney characters and Spider-Man and stuff like this, like targeting children. And it freaked me out so bad. I took, I mean, we took it away forever. I haven't seen anything like that again recently, but my point in saying that is it is out there and they are targeting, they're grooming children at a young age for this. And it's so scary how prevalent it is um, and how easily accessed it is. Yeah. And that, and that kind of segues us into, into the pedophilia side of this. And I know some people are like, Oh, come on, I'm not going to fall into child pedophilia from this, but we have to understand this is not you. This is what your brain wants to do. And so, and so what's really interesting is um, it's not Ted. Yeah. Ted, Ted Bundy. Is it Ted Bundy? I can't. He was a murderer. Yeah, Ted Bundy yeah. was a murderer. Who is the guy Zac Efron played? Ted Bundy. Was it Ted Bundy? Oh, okay. So Ted, yeah, like the young, attractive murderer yeah. that you wouldn't have expected. Yeah. So Ted Bundy, you can get on YouTube and look up a clip of him. It might be on Fight the New Drug, but he is he's in prison and he is talking about how he grew up in a normal household, normal Christian household, um, and there was none of this stuff going on in his family at all. And he said the reason he became who he is, the monster he became, was because of his progression through pornography. And uh, and it went deep, so deep that after he got past the child pedophilia part, he started taking advantage of women. And then, and then murder became his thing. And I'm not saying everyone would become a major psychopath, but I am saying the brain wants more. And if you keep giving it more, what you have to realize is as far as you go, as far as you go, your brain will say, okay, cool, we're releasing this much dopamine to pleasure you. And so once you get to that point and your brain is used to it, you either have to literally step away from it for a very long time and let your and let the sensors come back, okay? Or you have to go deeper. And that's what happens to people. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, I want to go molest a child. You know what I mean? No, Nobody does that. And I've talked to John about this before, and this is kind of taboo, but because of my because of my experience and understanding pornography, like I, I never let myself move into those places ever. I never let myself move into the bestiality or the child thing or anything. And if, and if anything would like flip by, you know, and get in my way, but Oh my gosh, no, 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 no. But here's the thing. When you, when you look up people who are actually open about this, they say the exact same reaction to a child video or, or something like that. They had the exact, like, Oh, what the heck? But they clicked on it again. They're like, Oh, weird. Oh, no, no, I don't want to watch this, but, but their brain hijacked them. And so I don't think these people are inherently bad people. And I know that sounds crazy, but they let the, they let their brains hijack them and take them to a place they never thought they would go. I've always struggled with that, obviously, because my automatic thought is anybody looking at child porn, you know, I automatically want to go to what a monster and Chris, you've helped me realize that you know, like we said, the drug, you go through drug, just like a drug addict who overdoses didn't just fall into that, that day. Um, but, well, oh man, what was I going to say? Uh, well, 
those people though. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The, the, the Ted Bundy's of the world. Yeah. Those are people who already probably have some sort of mental lack of awareness or I don't know. I feel like you already had a good moral base. And so you were able to avoid going any further. I don't know. Wouldn't you think that the people who do go further, they have other things going on that would. Yeah. Probably prior abuse, uh, especially prior abuse. abuse. Yeah. Um, you know, again, people are coping in a certain way and things can get more extreme. I'm not saying this is you, but I am saying we are playing with fire. You're playing with fire if you don't think you're contributing to human trafficking. You're playing with fire if you don't think you're contributing to child pedophilia. Um, you're playing with fire. And so that's the association that has to be created in order to kick this. And the thing is, like, there has to be a willingness. If you don't think it's that big of a deal, you may, you may want to take yourself through a progression of saying, like, well, wait a second. Like, I started here, but now I'm here. Um, and, and this doesn't do much for me anymore. So what I'm doing is now I'm creating, like, you know, oh, hey, like role play scenarios and stuff like that. And and those things get worse and worse and worse and worse until the role play becomes like your wife's like, wait, what? No, I, I OK, I guess. Right. But she doesn't realize what's really happening in your head is you're looking for more and more and more. Uh, and it's, it's a scary a, place. I would say I think it can get dangerous because just like anything just like what you said earlier is it begins to desensitize you to sex and to what sex was made for and to the intimacy behind it. And it begins to just objectify the woman or man. I mean, it's not just men that struggle with this and ton of women turn it, it into not an act of a love and romance, but it, it does further make it selfish and I know we've talked about how it affects other people, like a lot of men, especially as they get older, begin to struggle with erectile dysfunction. And mm -hmm. what you were telling me upon your research is that a lot of that comes from the overstimulation and just right. your normal sex can't do it for you anymore. That's exactly right. Your brain says, this is what we want. And then when you have anything less that's not releasing as much dopamine, you can't get it up. And it's just like, what? You, like, that is literally a problem that people that people have and erectile function, uh, erectile dysfunction, sorry, is getting, um, is getting more prevalent in younger people. Uh, and yes, testosterone is decreasing and all that stuff, which, um, which is a, a separate issue, but quite honestly, like a big piece of this puzzle is people are engaging in porn so much, uh, that it is, it is literally not allowing them to, uh, to perform sexually. And that, that really affects your relationship. I'm, I would assume I never dealt with that, but that would really well, yeah so i mean if if it's not enough to realize maybe these are things that your eyes have just been open to and this is overload because it is so it is so disturbing and it is such a what's the word i don't know it's disturbing so but if if it's not enough to realize okay this is contributing to human trafficking this is hurting your brain this is hurting your view of sex not only is it hurting your view of sex but it's going to, if it isn't already, hurt your sex life. I mean, these are reasons that definitely why you were like, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know. You Like you said, you learned to hate it immediately. But it, it hurts the people around you too. It's not. So I think that's why when you became an adult, it was even easier. You quit, you quit quicker because it wasn't just about you anymore. I quit quicker because I used logic. So, so if anyone comes to me and they say, Hey, Chris, what's the secret, right? 
here's 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 the rundown. It's it's if if you're stuck in this, then just go and and create the association of how you can hate this. Understand that over a million children have been subjected to child pornography uh, since 1996. Understand that. Understand that when they when they um, when they interview these these prostitutes, they are finding out that you know almost 90% of the people that come in are showing them porn to show them what they want them to do. And the actual Johns, the pimps, those guys are going out and they are collecting data and saying, who do we want to traffic based on pornography searches and all that stuff? Understand um, how, (laughs) understand that you have to protect yourself in a very logical way. So what, what I mean by that is this, and again, this is graphic or whatever, but something I had to do and and is something that I cannot negotiate myself with. As I can't let my mind go to a place that is not my wife in any way, shape, or form. Not during sex, not during self-pleasure, anything like that. You can't let your mind go anywhere else. Because once you open those floodgates, the lust becomes too much. And so in my experience, collecting the data and saying what worked and what didn't, what has worked for me for the last four years, I guess it is, uh, what has worked for me and made me feel like I hate this, and I'm not going to fall into this is not letting my brain go to that place. And social media is hard and Instagram is hard and all this stuff. But there is no such thing as saying, I'm going to protect myself from this, but still letting yourself go and look at the swimsuit, you know, models and Hooters models and all that stuff. Swimsuits don't do anything for you. <laughs> no, they do not. But obviously the body painting thing got right. me back then. Right. Well, I think it's, I'm just, including that because I know somebody's like, well, that's not a big deal. Cause I've literally seen even on like TikTok and stuff, I've seen sex therapists who are like, Oh yeah, you can fantasize. Everybody fantasizes. It's okay to fantasize about other people because it's not physically cheating, it's but not biblical, <laughs> but, well, yeah, there's a, there's a difference. And I mean, it, it does continue. Even if it's just pictures in your mind, you've looked at these pictures before. Yes. So you're still able to create a connection of sex. That's not, in marriage and it's a what, fantasy. Yeah. yeah. I think there's other ways you can spice things it's up. It's a fantasy. And I will say from the comment of saying swimsuits don't do it for me, stuff doesn't do it for me. Something that is interesting to me and a part of the reason I've, I've been able to kick this is to be honest with you, is that my dopamine sensors, my reward centers in my brain are downregulated. And so even if I did come across porn on accident, I wouldn't have the same effects I had when I was a kid because I went, you know, just, too frequently, right? And so they're still downregulated to the point where um, it's not like I'd have to try very hard, but basically I can surpass those things if they come in addition to not letting my brain go any other place but you. Yeah, which I'm appreciative of. So that is, and I do the same thing. That's a though- huge, a huge tip is don't let your mind wander um, at any point. And I follow that rule too, even though, I mean, like I said, I've never struggled with addiction, but I have looked at it and I have fallen into times where I've looked at it more than not. And it it just, yeah, it's a slippery slope. So that's one way. One way to help yourself if you do have a problem is I think getting an accountability partner, even though that's, you have to make sure you're picking the right person. Like Chris said, if the other person struggles too, you guys might just be one, you might give each other too much grace or two, you might trigger each other to look at more. I think it's also a slippery slope to tell your spouse, but 
for me, we always talk about open communication. And even though it was so painful to hear, and anytime you would tell me like, hey, I slipped up, like it was discouraging to me. But I would assume that you really didn't want to have to tell me. So that probably motivated you to did not, not do it as much to, to tell you. Um, I'm going to bring something else up. So there are a lot of like uh, a lot of programs that block porn from your computer and your phone and stuff like that. To my knowledge, it's still impossible for them to block everything. You can get around in a lot of different ways. Um, you can get around these, these softwares. And so in my opinion, when I think of this, first off, the good is when you create resistance to a habit, it's harder to get to. But the bad is when you create resistance to a habit that your brain wants, it's more exciting to get to. And so I don't know who you are or how you react, but I know those things, it was almost more exciting to be able to get around them. Um, and so, uh, and we we did have one that actually notified you on a weekly basis. I, st- I and still, still get does, the notifications, right? actually. X3 Watch or something like that? Yeah, that tells you if, yeah. you've, if you're, whatever device you connect to it, if you've looked at any questionable sites, it'll list the yeah. sites for you. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. And she gets that all the time, I guess still. And we haven't talked about it in like a couple of years, probably. Um, maybe, maybe every once in a while, which I guess, I guess that'd be cool. Uh, but that'd be cool. I, I don't know. Again, like I said, I think you have to figure out what works to go around you. it. Yeah. So I don't know for me, I think you can control this on your own by not letting your brain go to a place that is that is questionable. Um, well, like you said, you have to protect yourself and set boundaries. You have to unfollow accounts on social media that post risky, risque things. You have to not entertain the, you know, there's so many fake things out there with fake women or real women, I don't know, that message men who are vulnerable and, and inappropriate things. And I'm sure that's a trigger for people to explore. Um there's even, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's nudity on sites like Instagram that if that's going to trigger you, you have to unfollow those accounts, remove any triggers you have around you. Um, even if that's movies, cause some movies get pretty, pretty graphic removing yeah. those from your home or, I mean, I guess you can't, most, yeah. most everything's and, streamlined now, but. And I know someone's listening to this and they're like, dude, what's the fun in life if you like remove these things and stuff? And all I have to say is, oh, man, I, there, there's a level of peace to know that you're doing the right thing and you're not, and you're not doing anything selfish. It's just for you. That is potentially putting your family at risk. That is potentially putting your, your kids at risk or your marriage or something like that. And I've tried both. I've tried both. I've tried to, I've tried to say, oh no, 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 this is what I need because you know, she's not giving me sex or we don't have this connection or whatever. So I'm going to go get this on my own. And I've tried to justify it through the world. But then when I come to a place and I say, okay, like biblically, God tells me not to lust after, after anybody like lust, right. Um, selfishly thinking my wife's meat, anything like that, you know, God tells me not to do that. And then God tells me to keep my mind and my heart pure and all that stuff. And so when I, when I did that and I feel the peace I feel now about not falling into these things uh, and hating it more than ever, creating those associations and making sure there's no triggers and it's invisible to me all the time, that is, uh, that is just a much better, a much better, more peaceful way to live. Well, it's better for our marriage, but 
you know, we can go back to a couple episodes ago where we were talking about, would you be happy if your children had this marriage or this, you know, just if they turned out like you. And I would imagine most of us, especially with how I was talking earlier, how it's just at your fingertips. I would assume most of us would not want our children to fall into looking at pornography or treating sex in that way. So we don't have, again, I know it's not just men, but that's what I think about. We don't have a boy yet. So I haven't thought yet about having that conversation or when we have to have that conversation with our girls, but that's certainly not something I would want them to fall into. If you have a boy, because we don't have a boy, if you have a boy, you do have to be careful with this because because us who have girls out there need whatever boy that comes into their lives to have a level of respect for women and not look at them like meat, like look at them like, what can I get out of this? Yeah. Because uh, yeah, whether you like it or not, that's that, what porn does. it does objectify 100%. men and women and sex. And it does not give you a view of an intimate, consensual, loving relationship. And I would assume that's what we would all actually hope for our children. <laughs> and I'll touch on that really quick. There are a lot of subliminals when it comes to pornography. So, so in actual pornographic like videos and stuff like that, you will notice there's very little touching. There's very little touching. There is very little physical connection. And so it all becomes a very selfish, objectifying um, way to view sex. So on purpose, when you look at the industry and like how it all works, um, like literally like guys are not touching the women, right? They are not touching the women. It is, it is literally like, it is literally like their privates against their privates, like straight up, you know? Um, and so they're, they're just a lot of subliminals that create this fantasy and this total selfish sex mentality um, in pornography that uh, it's, it's purposeful. It's purposeful. And when you introduce that at such a young age, like you did, you didn't have the chance to even know what normal or what intimate married sex looked like your first views of sex were selfish very very and, selfish and and that's how i treated it pre-marriage right it was very selfish it was about me and so when we go through this whole series to wrap us all up it is it is when we talk about selfish sex a selfish marriage selfish sex in the last episode and then this one being you know pornography like this is just selfish if we think about it it's, okay does this bring value to my wife no does it bring value to my kids no. Does this bring value to the community around me or others or friends or whatever? No. This is all about me. And anything, in my experience, anything that is all about me and about nobody else is really, really scary territory. I would absolutely agree. So I want to know, so say there's a wife listening right now, because like I said, I see this in my groups so much. There's a wife listening right now who's like, oh my gosh, I bet I wonder if my husband's looking at porn or I've actually seen that my husband looks at porn recently, or I know that he looks at porn, but he doesn't think it's a big deal. How in the world? Like, I'm so worried about this. This may, you know, maybe all these answers are coming to them now. Like, this is why we do, you know, this is why our sex life is like this, or this is why he treats me this way, or she treats me this way. Cause like I said, I, I know I keep saying it's all the guy just because that's our personal experience, but what can, what can, that that wife do how does she approach her husband about such a sensitive subject if he's not the one communicating with her first off my best advice is to go back to what is it episode seven and eight uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations, conversations. I think so there's literally a way to handle this and there's a framework that that we put on there 
But I will say this. You don't want to come at your spouse with a talk like pornography, such a selfish topic for them and chastise and ridicule them if you're not talking about other stuff. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, don't come at me with something that I need to change if we haven't talked about something we need to change together because it's a means of coping. Okay. It's a means of coping. I'm not blaming it on, 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 on the spouse, but I'm saying you don't want to come at somebody with this big of a topic unless there are other things that have been addressed and you flex the muscle. of Well, basically unless you're willing to open up communication about what's going right and wrong in your marriage in general. 110%. Do not go at somebody. I'll be clear. Do not go at your spouse about pornography. If you have not talked about other uncomfortable things, otherwise this will literally be, it'll be a blame game, but blame game, terrible idea, but they, but let's still be clear though. It needs to be talked about. It does, but start with some of the other ones first. Start with things that put you in a vulnerable place and talk about how you want to grow and, and talk about how, you know, even put yourself in the most vulnerable place possible. Be like, hey, like, you know, what do you need from me um, in these ways? What can I do better as a spouse? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you need to position it that way first. Put yourself which, in a vulnerable place and then you can talk about it. Which this. is really hard, I know, to be able to put your pride down and, and be like, because I know in my head, I'd be like, well, I know he's the one looking up the stuff and I'm hurt and I want to just tell him what he's doing nope. wrong. But that's that's not the best method, even though I know that's what you want to do because it's, I mean, you're, you're hurting. You want to lash out. You want to tell them all the ways they're doing wrong, but it's never... It's never one person only in the wrong. I mean, even if your spouse is doing 99.9% of the things that are bad or negative or hurting your relationship, you got to fix that 1% or address that 1% that you're contributing as well. Yes. And so once you have opened up the floodgates of uncomfortable conversations, you flex the muscle of uncomfortable conversations, what it comes down to is you're approaching this. But again, you have to understand this. People change based on the epiphany they have for themselves, not the epiphany you, you give, give them. them. Yeah. And so, and so however you want to strat- strategize this process, they have to see it. If they don't see it, they're not going to see it, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have specific beliefs about this and you coming at them and saying, hey, believe this. Oh, hey, this contributes to human trafficking, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 no. Be much more strategic about this. But if you are listening to this and maybe you're the spouse who does struggle and you you're having your epiphany right now. Well, actually, let me rewind. Say there's a spouse listening right now and they're like, okay, but my wife or my husband is not giving me anything. I have, you know, I have needs. We all have sexual needs. What am I supposed to do? She's not, she's not sleeping with me. We just had a baby. Maybe that's a guy that's like resonating so much with your, with our story. So you tell me, Hey, I don't blame you. It's not your fault, but obviously it's easy for somebody to fall into it if they're not connecting relationally. So long story, long question short here, a spouse is listening. They resonate. They're like, Hey, my spouse is not giving me anything. What am I supposed to do? I'm falling into porn now. What do I do? I I seriously think this is, this is the test of a man. And we're probably talking about a man. This is the test of a man. Like sometimes you have to die to yourself no matter what. Sometimes you have to die to yourself and die to your selfishness. And I know when I look at our marriage and how crappy it was, it was my selfishness. And I know when I look at the relationship with our kids right now that I want to improve, it's my selfishness. And so it comes down to dying to yourself. And, and, and I mean, 
this this is a big one where where you look up to the big man you're like god like i'm not getting this and i feel like i need this but help me help me figure this out um, but you can't this should be a non-negotiable because you cannot you cannot say because i'm not getting this i'm going to do this uh, because it's all selfishness it's all selfishness and it's a gateway it can lead into other you things gotta and die to yourself if you can this. justify that then you might be able to start justifying why you took your conversation with your coworker a little too far 100 or justify the next step so it, it is it's just it's a gateway and it goes back to the last episode we talked about we're inherently selfish and so it's hard once you get married and you say i do as a young kid who doesn't know what the freak you're saying if if you're like us Easy. once you say <laughs> i do it's almost like everything has to reverse. It's it's kind of like when a baby is in is in the belly, right? And then the womb. the womb. And then when it comes out, literally everything in its system has to reverse so it can take in like the world's oxygen, right? So that's exactly what happens when we get married is we're supposed to just flip everything and become unselfish. And unfortunately, for many of our selfish desires, we have to realize like we have to die to ourselves. This is not about us. This is not about, this is not about what we need and our needs. It's it's not, it can't be, it can't be. It can't be. And so finally, I want to say for the, for the spouse, again, I'm addressing the man, but it could go either way for the, for the husband. That's like, okay, I need to talk to my wife about this. I don't know how to approach her. It is going to hurt her regardless of how you approach it. And so my best advice would be to Again, go back and listen to uncomfortable conversations because you have to set the right scene. You can't just go tell her while she's cooking dinner and she's got a baby on her hip. Hey, by no the way, way. I'm, I'm struggling with looking at pornography and that's why we've not been having sex lately, but I've been pleasuring myself to other women. No, you can't, you can't tell her like that. If you need advice on how to approach her, because everybody's different, obviously look for an accountability partner like a, a pastor even or a friend from the church who maybe maybe somebody like Chris who you know has struggled and beat it i think beating it is i think oh boy oh i think different verbiage okay. maybe <laughs> yeah i think um somebody who's gotten past it that's the type of person you want to talk to because they can resonate and they're not there where they're going to be triggered as well uh but talk to somebody like that to help with how, how to just how to open up the floor, but it is important. I don't think you should hide it from your wife, no matter how painful it is to tell her, no matter how uncomfortable it is to tell her, maybe she's not your accountability partner, but she needs to know that this is something you're struggling with. And although it will suck in the moment and it will hurt her, it's going to grow you guys closer. Yes, but I'm going to flip this on you a little bit. And I'm going to say that I would guess that the vast majority of you, if you went to your wife and your approach was something like this, hey, I feel like there are ways in my life that I'm being selfish and I want to die to my selfishness and I want to improve our marriage and our life moving forward. And so for that reason, I want to tell you something uncomfortable that I feel like I want to be. And the only reason I'm I'm telling you this is because I need you to help me through this. I, you can't look at it in whatever way, but like I, I need you to hear me, and I need you to realize this is vulnerable for me. But it's important because I want to move our relationship forward. I don't think I that's, think that's a bad great. Approach. No, I, that's that's good because I was trying to find the words of how to approach it, and I think one hundred percent. If you come to your wife and and you know you're explaining to them, I know this is selfish. 
I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this anymore. It's going to be a lot better because we need to understand that you love us and that you're telling us because you want to work through it, not just telling us because you feel like you have to or because, mm-hmm. you know. And, so, for, and for the person who's like, oh, that's okay. I, I go through my belts. I go and I'm like, you know, four or five straight weeks and then I'm good for a little bit and I just get my fix. I'm not addicted to this, dude. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still selfish. It's still wrong. And you may want to have the conversation like, hey, it's been a few weeks, but this is something I don't want to fall into because I want to grow our marriage and our relationship. And this should not be about me. Regardless, without full transparency in a marriage, you can't have full trust. And without full trust, you cannot reach the deepest level of intimacy that that your marriage requires. So, that's something we talk about. We talked about last episode. I'm pretty sure is that when you are fully transparent, there's just something you you feel more like you're one because there's nothing to hide. We have nothing to hide whenever we yeah. are open with our spouses, even about our deepest, darkest demons. And then when your spouse can love you through that, through your darkest time, through your big biggest secrets, that's where real intimacy and connection grow. Yes. And it's all about the approach. It's all about the approach. If you are trying to fix this problem, you come and say, look, I'm selfish and I want to change this. Help me change this. Like who is going to be like, why'd you tell me that? Right. (laughs) But if you come and say, well, because you're not doing X, Y, Z, because you look like this or you're not doing this, I had to go take it into my own hands. Exactly. That is not good. Preach, babe. I'm preaching. So Good job. now we have our three-year-old in here who just woke up. So we should probably, it's already like one. She's about to say hi. It's been over an hour. So yeah. So that's what's up guys. I hope this episode brought you value. Uh, this is, this is a topic that we went back and forth on. We're like, how can we approach this? This, this needs to be something that, that lands for people. So please, if this landed, let us know. Um, if you need somebody to talk to, to, like we're, we're here. We want to help people through this because we know how painful it can be. And if you just had your own epiphany during this episode of why it's so bad, why it's not okay, why it's not, oh, men will be men, women, you know, whatever, let us know. And yes, please go ahead and share with somebody and don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks guys.